All right, so last time I talked about why some, I often or sometimes mention God. Today, I'm going to talk about why I don't like to mention God. And to do that, and to jump into this paradox, I have to talk about language. Language is of interest to me, at least partially, I'm sure, because I write. But I also listen to the way that people use language. I listen to the things they say and the secrets that their language tells. You often discover that there are unintended meanings, almost like Freudian slips in simple things that we say all the time that denote a deeper kind of agreement which the sharers of a language all embrace, albeit perhaps subconsciously. But I'll save that for another time. Today I'm going to talk about a particular word in our language or a group of words, the words that we use to describe what some would call God. Now, one thing I want to make clear right off the bat is that, and here I actually have to use the word, that God is what he is. And that no matter what we think of it or of him, it doesn't change the nature of God. What does vary, of course, is our own understanding of the transcendent. And you would think that this would be a pretty clear-cut issue, but it's not. As we study about it, the various traditions, we discover the, the nature of God. But the truth is, is that it's veiled in mystery. And whenever theologians have tried to pin it down, they never seem to be able to come to an agreement. They have whole councils about this, wherein they fight <laughs> over it. And you can understand why. In Christian theology, there's a Father, Son, and Holy Ghost who are all God, but not separately, but together. Thus having a kind of plurality of gods, but that is one God. And then the claim that there is a son of God who is also God, or at least is in, in his um, resurrected transcendent state. And then there's the scripture that says that know you not that you're gods. There's the idea that one day we will all inherit everything that the father has. Of course, this is the Christian theology through Christ is the idea, but that we'll be made joint heirs, put on an equal footing with God himself, or at least with the Son of God. So there is this idea that we are seeking to follow God, to pick up our own cross and follow Jesus, those that are Christians. And for those who are of other faiths, they are seeking a similar theme, transcendence, enlightenment, perfection, 
holiness. And there's this idea that we need to be one with God, which seems impossible, and yet everybody seems to have this idea that that's what we're to do. And then there's the Muslim view that there's just one God that has no son. And then you bring in the Eastern view with stories of the Buddha evading the question during his day as if to suggest that the very question is a silly one. And yet, through observance, it appears that the followers of the Buddha um, revere the Buddha um, in a reverential sense which all which which early some of them in a sense which is almost worshipful well i wouldn't even say almost but in some instances it, it very much is worshipful and then there's the respecting the divine and others we talk about that sometimes there's the idea of being children of god and what does that mean and then the Hindu view, which seems to divide up all that is transcendent, all that is more than us, into various personalities like different gods, demigods, I guess. I'm treading on thin ice when I get into the Eastern philosophies because I'm... Um, I'm more like an armchair theologian there. And I could go on and on. And then there are those who insist that they, they know and that they understand. But what I end up discovering is that so often when somebody insists that other people worship what they call God, so often, really, all it is, all that they are doing is insisting upon getting the word right. Basically, it's usually an insistence upon a certain jargon. They aren't so much interested in the spirit of the thing, but really are looking for cues from other people to find out if they have had an experience with God um, and can speak of God in such a way that they recognize. And yet I've discovered that those who have had an actual experience with the transcendent, if you listen to the nature of the experience, you'll discover that it's very similar. So that in, in many instances, for example, if you speak to somebody who's had what they thought were to them in their language was what they might call enlightenment, experienced enlightenment. Uh, it's very similar to somebody who in the Christian world, um, their experience is very similar to somebody who has had what they would call um, a, being born of God, being born again. And I don't mean any sort of outward performance, like an altar call or something like that. I mean somebody who has experienced um, a mighty change within their heart and soul. And that's fascinating to me.
So I really hesitate sometimes to use the language that I'm familiar with. In fact, I, I find myself searching for words that are new words so that it's almost like we can come out the discussion completely afresh without all of the old baggage carried along behind so that we can begin to look at the spirit of the thing and begin to notice wherein what I would probably call from my background something that I would call the spirit of God is actually acting and moving. And of course, when we look at it this way, we discover that though the vast majority of people are not interested in the things of the transcendent, and though it may not happen in, it may not be happening in mass, mass numbers that would be anywhere near a majority, we end up discovering that these experiences with God, what I'm calling God, um, are happening in a wide variety of places and in different ways, but that there are earmarks that are very similar. So I'm going to share one last little um, uh, story or, or um, relate something that kind of strikes me about this principle or this idea that shows how the language often gets in the way. So for quite a while, I've been around a bunch of people. It seems like I run into them very frequently. And I actually relate with them in many ways. People who are a part of what I'm going to call the Hebrew Roots Movement. There are a bunch of Christians who still believe Christ to be the Son of God and have Christian beliefs who are going back to reading the five books of Moses, uh, the law, the uh, the law of Moses. They're observing the feasts um, and they're observing, uh, for example, a, a Seventh-day Sabbath, uh, Saturday Sabbath. They're, and they call it the Hebrew Roots Movement, and they're recognizing their roots um, as children of Israel. And there are a lot of beautiful things coming out of that movement. But here's one example of something that shows what I'm talking about with regards to language. So one of the things that I discovered early on is I, is I ended up having friends and, uh, and family members who were kind of delving into this Hebrew roots movement is that um, a large emphasis was put upon the name of God. And um, it was pointed out very clearly how, how um, the, the Bible originally, the Old Testament, um, used the name of God. Um, and some people pronounce it Yahweh, others pronounce, pronounce it Yahovah, um, some pronounce it Yehovah. And many of the um, people who embrace this also speak of Jesus as Yeshua, because his real name was Yeshua, which is Joshua, actually, in Hebrew. And I discovered really quickly that this was a, a prime tenant of, of the faith of people who are within this movement, is that this idea that it's very important to get the name right, and that one of the ways that 
we've really gone astray is by not using the name correctly. And I can relate to this idea, the idea that it means something, that words mean something. Of course, being a writer, I, I kind of get this idea, the idea that words mean something and they're important. I'll, I'll sometimes, you know, go over and over a piece of text that I'm writing so that I get the words just right. And yet I found a little bit of a, um, a flaw in the, um, in the logic as well. This is exemplified by this little story. So when I first, um, I, I had a family member who was um, very involved with this movement and, and, um, and I found myself interested and I was studying with them and um, with this person and others in the family and, and some outside the family. And, um, and um, I noticed that at first, um, this close family member of mine was um, calling God Yahovah. And then I remember there came this point years after um, he become kind of involved with this, um, that uh, uh, it was related to me. It's like, actually, you know, in doing some study, it appears that the real pronunciation is Yehovah, if I'm remembering this right. I thought, oh, that's interesting. But I remember at the time that it switched, that it was kind of, I found it a little bit humorous because so much emphasis had been put upon the fact that the name of God is really Yahovah. And then I began to, to, to listen to a few things um, of people who, who had done studies into the Old Testament, and they were also, um, they would use these older names. And, um, and I found many of them saying um, Yahweh. And then even some saying Adonai. And of course, the, the real sticklers, would, they, they didn't like Adonai because that was added later. But, you know, um, it was, so it was Yahweh, Yahovah, or Yehovah. And there seemed to be some grace amongst all of them to overlook a little bit if somebody was pronouncing the name right. But for sure, you know, there was there was a bit of a view that it's like, well, anybody who's says Lord or just God or or calls Jesus Jesus and not, you know, um, not uh, Yeshua um, must be quite off. And, and again, like I say, there is something to getting getting words right or understanding words. Um, but I remember it, it struck me that it's like, wait a minute, this seems a little bit off. It's like, we are claiming that it is so important to get the name right. And yet even amongst those who have this tradition, there's disagreement about what the right name is. Then a couple of years later, I ran into another fellow, and he was also part of this movement, and he had done a great deal of study, and he had, in particular, into the name of God. In fact, he'd even withdrawn from a particular group of people who were a part of this Hebrew Roots movement because somebody had referred to God as Adonai or something, and so he just knew that can't be right, so he had withdrawn from this group. and um, and. He had done this 
study and had discovered the true pronunciation of God's name. And it was from something he read in the New Testament or something with a concordance and in the in the Greek, which and something that they said in Hebrew or so I can't remember. And he pronounced it for me, and it was totally different than all the ones I'd heard. And so here yet again, um, he was, um, you know, insisting that we have to get the name right. And yet it was really fascinating to me that um, that where he'd kind of come to in a way was that he was a religion of one. It was like he was one person amongst the world who had gotten the name right. And therefore, he believed it gave him some um, degree of being accepted by God because he got the language right. And now you compare that with the statement by Christ that the time is coming or has come when men will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And it seems to really beg the question, can we look past the language and try to discover if we are participating in and partaking of the same spirit of a thing? Can we translate somebody else's words into the words that we're familiar with? If so, then we may discover that we have brothers from all sorts, brothers and sisters from all sorts of different backgrounds. And it broadens our world. It broadens who we consider to be brothers and sisters, who we consider to be our own. It doesn't mean that we'll be able to reach out and embrace the world. Because in spirit, it seems like inevitably, it is a minority who choose to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. But wouldn't it be a shame if we turned away some brother, some sister, because they didn't get the name right? Because they didn't use the right word to describe the experience? I think so. And for that reason, I hesitate to speak of God in my own language.